I have some exciting nerd news, but I'll save it for the podcast. <laughs> All right. Oh, you're overhyping it now. No, it's the most exciting news. You've <laughs> you're definitely overhyping it now. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to episode 109 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are John Farley, Andy Chandler, Peter Johnson, and I am Hazel Chandler. On this week's show, we will be buffing and bluffing each other until we can bluff no more in our quiz, which seeks to test the knowledge of little known facts about the entertainment industry. Plus, I have a little fun quiz as well, so it's two quizzes in one this episode. Quizzing all over. <laughs> so let's start the show. Right, are you all sitting down? Yes. I've I got know. possibly the biggest pop culture nerd piece of news in the last 35 years. Kylie and Jason are coming back to Neighbours. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Is that their last desperate move to get people watching? They've been cancelled. Not Kylie and Jason. Not Kylie and Jason, no, they're not, yeah. Neighbours has. Neighbours has been cancelled, yes, for inappropriate <clears throat> viewing figures. <laughs> <laughs> And in the last episode, Kylie and Jason are going to return. When did they leave the show? Like 30? 30 odd years ago. Jesus. Possibly before you were born, Andy. Yep. Oh, <laughs> no. about it. oh God. Who's Jason? I feel so old. Um, he's Friday the 13th. Yes, with the hockey mask. Hockey mask, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'll watch that. So do you think they've done this especially for you? Oh. <laughs> Is that a Kylie song? The Jason and Kylie song. Yeah. There's a kebab shop somewhere called Jason's Donovan, mm-hmm. which is an <laughs> excellent name. Good. I've seen Kylie Minogue live. So have I. So have I. Oh, did we know each other then? Uh, definitely not. No. I didn't go and see Kylie Minogue. I haven't seen Nick Cave. Oh, right. Yeah, and uh, Kylie Minogue popped out for a song with Nick. She's very small and convenient. It's very She's, easy yeah, for her to pop out. Hand, hand, hand luggage you can put her in if you want her anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that you claim to be a fan of, John. Yes. Why the hell haven't you seen the imbearable weight of Massive Talent yet? It's been out for over a week. Andy and I saw it pretty much the mm. day it came out. Loved I it. I think he's not a real Nick Cage fan. I think so too. I will be there as soon as dog sitting allows. So I was actually at the Silver Link at our local cinema yesterday and they cut off the end of titles. If there's, they've got like a digital thing with the, the names of films on, and if the title is too long, it just gets cut out. So they are currently advertising the unbearable weight of M, <laughs> which I assume is the new James Bond yeah. film. <laughs> we have uh, Daniel Craig just carrying Judy Dench around for no reason whatsoever. Oh, they finds. We did have a discussion yesterday as to who we thought was heavier, who would be more unbearable to carry around Helen Mirren or. <laughs> Helen Mirren? Not Hill, but so, uh, Judy Dench or they finds who would you least like to carry around? Who would be the unbearable weight? Who is most portable? Yeah. I mean, I don't have an answer to the question. I was just wondering if anybody had thought, yeah. ever I thought could, about that before. I could berate Ray Fiennes for his horrible portrayal of Voldemort. And he'd, he'd have no nose, so he'd be slightly lighter. Mm-hmm. How does he smell? Terrible! <laughs> <laughs> so you enjoyed the unbearable weight of Master Stone. As somebody who isn't a fan of Nicolas Cage, per se. I like Nicolas Cage. I don't worship the feet of him. <laughs> you don't have lots of pillows. I don't have personalised cushions, no. 
Well, I do for Chris Hemsworth, but not for Nicolas Cage. And I, I do like a lot of his films. And I thought the film was absolutely terrific. It's really well written. It's adventurous. It's fun to watch, but it's got a lot of heart as well. Um, and it rollicks along. There's no kind of frame wasted. Can't believe you haven't seen it yet. I, I, I will go as soon as I possibly can. I'm very excited to see it. I hear it was written for Nick Cage, but they didn't know if he'd do it. Mm. And if he didn't, they would have had to have had... Who were they talking about? Daniel Day-Lewis or... Christian uh, Bale. Christian Bale mm. would have played the part instead as Nick Cage. That would have been weird. Yeah. It... John Travolta not on the list. He'd be mm. such a good choice, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah. Like yeah. he'd been stuck with that face for, <laughs> <laughs> for 30 odd years. I didn't realise when they made the film they were actually going to do such <laughs> <laughs> Should have read the small print. Mm-hmm. You watched something else that perhaps was uh, less entertaining last oh night? Oh my gosh. <sighs> if you cast your mind back towards the start of the year and we did our preview of the films we were most looking forward to coming up during 2022. And I was over the top in my enthusiasm. Over for, the moon. Uh, yes, for a certain Roland Emmerich disaster movie named Moonfall. And I, I said everyone should absolutely go and see it. Then the reviews came out. And I was actually in the audience for the live Empire podcast, the 500 episode, when they talked about this in depth, and it massively, massively put me off. So I hadn't watched it until last night. And as a public service, <laughs> I must please, I must dissuade people from thinking it's a fun movie that they'll have a laugh with. It, it, it's not. It's just awful in every way imaginable. It's no fun whatsoever. Nobody acts. <laughs> Not even Oscar-winning actress um, Halle Berry. It's just torture for her to see her like this. It's a film in which the conspiracy theorist wins and he judges the opinions of experts and he turns out to be right. He even swallows a red pill whilst doing it. So full disclosure, have you actually seen the end of the film? Because yes. last night you fell asleep and Andy came to meet us in the pub. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. It was putting me to sleep, but uh, there was like 20 minutes left in the clock. And so I can do this. I can do this. I've been through worse. Um, <laughs> Steal yourself. <laughs> and oh boy. Oh, I, uh, do I wish I hadn't? Yes, I, no, I definitely wish I hadn't. As bonkers as the movie was, I was not prepared for what the ending was going to bring. Just awful, 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 awful. So please, please, if you think oh, it'll, it'll be a laugh, won't it? It'll be a laugh. It, no, it won't. <laughs> Why is Dick Van Dyke advertising this movie? <laughs> oh. I, I would challenge your use of the word bonkers there because I think that word implies uh, some sort of daft fun silliness. It's not silly, it's stupid and there's a difference. Yeah. It's <laughs> appalling and it's also uh, full of stock characters and cliches. Yeah. Uh, Hazel told me what happened in, in that um, last 20 minutes uh, this morning. And I, I, honestly, I thought it literally couldn't get stupider, but it does. <laughs> stupider and stupider and stupider. And it's just dreadful. Just, this is so bad. It is objectionable. Yeah. John, has that now got you interested watching it? That's me sold. <laughs> I'll be there. feel bad for Roland Emmerich because... Don't. Okay. <laughs> Run it on himself. <laughs> Please don't watch it. And if you do watch it, have a very, very large supply of rum available. And therapy. Mm -hmm. Stupid moon.
Now it's time for our buff or bluff quiz. And this is where we have three facts, but we have made one of them up. So we've got to try and work out which one is the bluff. John, why don't you go first? I've got three people who have monetized their body right. or parts of their body in two cases to further their art, in one case to further his arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure I want to know now. <laughs> Number one. Robert Rodriguez funded his first film by putting himself in a medical facility to act as a guinea pig for a month, for which he was paid $7,000. Are we talking literally? Like, did he have whiskers and like... <laughs> ran ran, ran around in a wheel and... and lettuce and stuff, yes. They experimented on him. Mm. He gave his body to experimentation for a month. Number two. In the 1968 Herschel Gordon Lewis film, The Gore the Merrier, they ran out of budget two days before the end. Herschel Gordon Lewis convinced the two lead actresses to shave off their hair to sell to a local wig maker. The wig maker would not take payment in advance, so they had to do it part way through the shoot. And in the last couple of scenes of the film, the actresses are actually wearing wigs of their own hair. <laughs> Number three. William Shatner sold his kidney stones to a Las Vegas casino for $25,000. This is less than the same casino paid for a cheese toasty with the Virgin Mary's face on it a few months earlier. <laughs> oh. Which casino? Golden Palace. The okay. generically named. <laughs> <laughs> the one you just made up. Uh, I know Robert Rodriguez had to, I think he funded his first movies on credit cards yeah. and stuff like that. I, that rings a bell with me. There was a few like indie 90s kids that did similar things. Mm -hmm. mm, maybe, may, Yeah, I don't specifically remember, but I, I think I've heard a version of that before. What kind of experiments were they doing on him? Dietary experiments, so basically he, he was very limited in what he could eat. He had to sit in a room all day and then they'd do blood tests on him and take a big vial of blood every day for a month. And what was his mm. first film? El Mariachi. Oh. Mm. Like the Spanish version mm. of Desperado. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mexican. Come to your senses, Peter. Eagles joke for anyone listening. <laughs> no, I didn't get it, sorry. Um, the wig women. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> What year was this film? 1968. There we go. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can see that as something that would happen, that the actors had to sacrifice rather than anyone else. I mean, he did make very cheap films, mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. Blood Feast and things he's quite well known for. Did you say the film was called Gore the Merrier? Do I want to ask what it was about? It was basically just some rednecks and a rampage um, through like a southern state. And they would go in a car and they would go from place to place and do murders. Is the title part of the bluff? <laughs> no. Because it is a terrible title. It's terrible enough for you <laughs> just made it up. No. I think the Shatner is the bluff. I absolutely believe that 100%. Really? It just fits. But would you want to see his kidney stones? I wouldn't want to, but someone would. toasty, I can understand. <laughs> Are they on like display in a glass case somewhere? Apparently so, yeah. They paid $25,000 for William Shatner's kidney stones, and they paid $28,000 for a cheese toasty with the Virgin Mary's face in it, which apparently had not gone mouldy in the 10 years since it had been made. <laughs> and also not been on display in anything other than this woman's kitchen for 10 years, but that's surely coincidental. Why would she lie? <laughs> 
is Las Vegas that tacky? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so that was true to that. I'm going Shatner Stones. I'm going to go the Operation. Robert Rodriguez for me. So that's two Robert Rodriguez's and who are all wrong. Robert Rodriguez did spend a month in a medical facility being experimented on for the grand total of $7,000, which funded El Mariachi. And he did it again, kind of, at the end of last year, where he, as an experiment, made a film called Red Eleven about a guy spending a month in a medical experimentation facility uh, remade as a horror film, and he made it last year for $7,000 to prove <laughs> that you could still make a film All right. for that money. Um, William Shatner, yes, entirely true. He is not the only celebrity, though, to be making money from his kidney stones. Um, would you be interested in bidding for a, not for the actual kidney stones, not for a picture of the kidney stones, but would you be interested in the auction for a NFT right. of a photograph of David Cronenberg's kidney stones? Not in the least. How much cryptocurrency would that send you back? Apparently the bidding is in the thousands. Why? Mm. He says they're very beautiful. <laughs> God. And um, as far as I'm aware, Herschel Gordon-Lewis never got his actresses to shave their hair off and then rewear them as wigs. He did, however, once make a film that was 10 minutes too short, so to pad it to feature length, just got uh, two mannequins, put wigs on them, and had them have a conversation with each other while voicing it off screen to make the film up to feature no. length. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's still better than Moonfall. <laughs> All right. You look poised, Peter. Well, it is interesting mm-hmm. you talk about wigs and shaving the hair, because the movie I'm going to talk about Shelley's Theron shaved her hair for Mm -hmm. and then had to wear a wig for the following movie she shot. I have three facts about one of my very favourite action movies and one we often mention on the pod, which is Mad Max Fury Road. Number one. Capable, one of the wives that Max rescues, is played by the granddaughter of Elvis Presley. Number two. Tom Hardy and Shelley's Theron famously didn't get along during filming, but their stunt doubles fell in love and later married. Mm. Number three. The flame-throwing guitar was a real working prop, but they had to stop using it when the vehicle was moving after the musician using it set fire to the speaker stack behind him. Which one is the bluff? Mm. Now I know... I mean, there's a very famous granddaughter of yes. Elvis, but... And she's an actor. I've forgotten her name. Lisa Begins Marie. With... Lisa Marie is a daughter of Elvis. She has... Yes. I think she has a set of twins, mm-hmm. and the daughter is an actress, and her name is something beginning with R. Was Lisa Marie briefly married to Nicolas Cage? Yes. And Michael Jackson? Yes. That's quite a history, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she has kids with either of them. Randy. Mandy. I mean, she was. She was. Clearly. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, her. That, that's probably who you're talking about. Could be. <laughs> the guitar stack thing sounds realistic. Mm. I, I... Apparently it was played by a musician called Iota and weighed 132 pounds. And what you see in the movie is a combination of earlier shots, tracking shots and CGI. Mm. 
Yeah, we were, we recently read is it the Vanity Fair article the, about yeah. the um the because there's a book coming out I think about what went down on that set and both Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy's voices were included, but it was very tough to read about what he put her through on the set. Um, yeah, I didn't hear anything about the stunt doubles falling in love. I, I've heard a similar story, but I don't know if it's that film or it's a different film. And Peter is <laughs> smiling. That suggests it did happen, but not with that film. Yeah, that to me, that was one that would be not easy to make up. I'm not putting you down. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a bit's number if you want to. <laughs> oh, thanks, John. But we all know the story of the fallout and adding a little bit of a tidbit on there. Mm. I'm going to go for that being the bluff. Okay. But would we, uh, Elvis's granddaughter being in it would have been a thing. It As was one of the wives. Um, uh, Zoe yeah. Kravitz was one. Yeah. Rosie Huntington-Whiteley was in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel it would have been a thing when they were talking, like when they talk about like Lady Kravitz's daughter being but in she it. she doesn't have his surname. So yeah. it might have gone under the radar. Elvis Presley's granddaughter also been. It would have been a. You, if you mentioned one, you'd mention the other. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Still, I'm, I'm going for the middle one. I'm going to change my mind and go for the Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Okay. And Hazel is going for the, um, the stunt, stunt people falling mm-hmm. in love. I'm going, going for the for? stunt doubles falling in love as well. I think you've made that up because you're a big softie at heart. And you just want there to be some sort of happy ending to the big fall. Very kind of you to say so. That one is true. Mm. The stunt people are Dane Grant and Dana Porter. I overestimated you, they did you, get Peter. married. <laughs> so easily done. Did Tom Hardy and Charlie's the one attend and have a big drunken fight at the reception? <laughs> As their avatars, yeah. And one of the wives that Max rescues is actually Lisa Marie Presley's daughter, who is called Riley Keogh. <gasps> so it was an R. <laughs> <laughs> and the one I made up was the flamethrowing guitar. Oh, so none of us are right again. Yeah. Oh. We're rubbish at this game, aren't we? <laughs> You'd think after doing so many episodes, we actually be quite good. Or we're really good at coming up with bluffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or knowing when to do a fake smile and throwing John off. Which is why I did that time. <laughs> I also deliberately picked Elvis's granddaughter, thinking you'd say, oh, well, because Zoe Kravitz's, <laughs> Lenny Kravitz's daughter, what's the odds two of them are <laughs> related to famous musicians? That's a very good John impression. Yeah. <laughs> I'm slightly worried that that fake smile that you did, is it that smile you have whenever you come and see me do stand-up or comedy? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I got the practice from. You faked every laugh. <laughs> <laughs> was none of it real. <laughs> I was going to start with a fact about the film being edited by George Miller's wife, Margaret Sixel, who'd never edited an action film before, but he asked her to do it because if a guy did it, it would look like every other action movie. And then Ooh. she ends up getting the Oscar for it, which is great. For the first time ever directed an action movie, that's a hell of a job. Isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. Apparently there were 480 hours of raw footage and it took three months just to watch it all. <laughs> John, you were looking at Andy like you wanted him to go next. I was... I was Happy either way. That was just lust. <laughs> Make a decision, John. Oh, Who, Who's your favourite? Andy, you've got to go first. <sighs> Come back, Hazel. <laughs> Mine is about uh, international remakes of American films. Uh, so number one, we have Sobrang Manderigma, which is Filipino for Super Warrior and is uh, the Filipino version of Iron Man, released in 2011. 
It's a film about a stand-up comedian who discovers a magical suit of armour that gives him incredible powers. He uses it to take down a mad scientist who is creating genetically modified sea monsters. It's rated R18 for violence, nudity, and mountains of cocaine. (laughs) Number two is Saru no Gondan, or Army of the Apes in Japanese, which is the Japanese version of Planet of the Apes. Our three human heroes are cryogenically frozen to escape an earthquake and a volcano that are happening at the same time. And they awaken in the distant future where superintelligent apes have taken over the world. It also features robots, UFOs, and a malevolent supercomputer. So is it the Tim Burton one? It was in the 70s. It was actually a TV oh, series. The, uh, the six, uh, right, okay, yes. And then they um, recut it in 1987 into a 90-minute film, which was released in America as Time of the Apes. Boring detail to make it sound more credible. Number three. Mahakal, a.k.a. The Monster, which is the Indian version of Nightmare on Elm Street. So Freddy Krueger gets the Bollywood treatment in this 1994 movie. An evil magician stalks the dreams of the children of the police officer who once apprehended and buried him alive, featuring a metal-clawed glove, up-tempo song and dance numbers, and an Indian thriller-era Michael Jackson impersonator. (laughs) There definitely was a foreign remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street, but I don't know any more details. I know it was Indian or Middle Eastern, but they, they, they did remake it at one point. Are these supposed to be like official remakes or unofficial deal the plot and take liberties with it remakes? The second one. Okay. <laughs> I didn't include it, but there's also Nigerian Titanic, which is very much just that. Oh, okay. So I'm going to, I think that Man Street is real, um, mm. unless it's a strange coincidence like that time you made up some nonsense about a Starship Enterprise <laughs> hotel that happened to be <laughs> correct. <laughs> mm. um, the Iron Man one sounds a little bit recent to me, and it feels like Marvel would have stomped on that. That's my reason for being a bit doubtful yeah. about that one. Especially since being acquired by Disney, they're like really clamping down on anything like that. Mm. Um, the ape thing sounds exactly like the sort of thing that they would be doing at the time. But then also, I read books about Planet of the Apes and the series, and I've never seen it mentioned in any way. Mm. So I'm I'm stumped, is what we're saying, <laughs> in a very long roundabout way. Iron Man is Andy's favourite from the MCU. It would have been top of mind. Got some bad news for you if you've seen, <laughs> haven't seen Endgame yet. <laughs> we watched it again on Friday night. Still gets me. Still gets a friend me. of ours took her then six or seven year old to see it. And she said there's a picture in the lobby of him dressed as Iron Man, really excited, waiting to go in. I was like, oh, fuck's sake, no. Should we warn them? <laughs> Apparently he just sat in his seat and cried, and then it was never refused to acknowledge that he'd been crying and then never mentioned it again. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm going to go for um, Iron Man. Any other takers? I'm also going to go for Iron Man. I'm going to go for Plant the Apes just to be different. Never be different, Peter. (laughs) Never stand out. Be conventional. (laughs) Be boring. Filipino Iron Man is not real, I'm afraid. Um, But Bollywood Freddy Krueger is, and um, so is uh, Japanese Planet of the Apes. So does he do like a dance with the knives on his hands? Not actually seen any footage, but that's what I'm imagining, yeah. But the Philippines do have a history of uh, ripping off American superheroes and doing whatever the hell they want with them. And in 1973, there was a film called Fight, Batman, Fight!, in which Batman goes to hell to fight Satan. Now that sounds quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Sounds less plausible than the stupid Filipino Iron Man I came up with, I think. 
Hazel, what have you got for us? My Buff or Bluff is about the wonder that is Oscar Isaac. Oh. Yes. So as we record, we have one episode of Moon Knight left to go. And I think we've all been supremely taken by his multi-layered performances. So I thought I'd dig a little and find out a bit more about the actor. Number one. When Oscar Isaac was pursuing music before his admission to Juilliard, he played in a number of bands, uh, punk bands, I should say. Names included Petrified Frogs, Closet Heterosexuals, and The Worms. Hmm. Number two. His first TV appearance was in 2001 in the fifth season of Ally McBeal where he played a witness who had had an affair with a woman who was on trial for her husband's murder. Ali became quite distracted during the interrogation because she found herself incredibly attracted to him. And number three, he once suffered a dangerous infection after being bitten by a cat. It hospitalised him for three days and it led to him feeling rather hostile to cats in general. This was very frustrating when he spent a good portion of his time carrying and chasing after a cat in Inside Llewellyn Davis. Mm. And also now playing a, a Egyptian mm-hmm. who should be worshipping cats rather than hating them. Exactly. How old is he? He is uh, early 40s. Yeah, because I was wondering about that for now the Ali McBeal. The Ali McBeal, whether he would have been too young, but would have been late teens, early 20s. I was watching Hazel as she calculated. Yeah, he would have been early 20s, yes. <laughs> I do know that Hazel likes Ali McBeal mm-hmm. and uh, probably would have known or um, been tickled by learning that he was in mm-hmm. it. I think the punk band thing might be true. That rings a bell. The band names were Petrified Frogs, Closet Heterosexuals and The Worms. Correct. They were fairly terrible band names. <laughs> they do sound pretty punky. The Florida punk scene. What did the cat do to him? Did it just bite him or... Yeah, it bit him and it um, must have got into his system somehow. I think he loves cats. He doesn't seem like the sort of person that would hate a cat. He seems far too nice. I don't want him to hate cats. I like him, but if he hates cats, then I can't be his friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for the cats being the lie. Yeah, same here. Me too, because I want it to be a lie. <laughs> Well, you all have a very good reason not to like Oscar Isaac as much now. <gasps> the <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, he was hospitalised for three days. Um, he was pumped with antibiotics because it got into his lymphatic system. But for that film, for Inside Llewellyn Davis, he said, oh, it's the Coens, so okay. But yeah, that is, that is very mm. true. Mm. It is also true about the punk bands. If you want to, you can watch a few YouTube clips of him um, doing the whole ah, ah, sheep, sheep impression. Yeah. Is, that, 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 is that when he sees a cat walking Ooh. towards him? Yeah. <laughs> um, I made up Ali McBeal. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. You should see David E. <laughs> Kelly, you know. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. was in that. Was, was that your connection? The whole Marvel thing. And- um, it just popped into my head because there were so many guest stars and I thought it might be an interesting and backstory. I thought none of us would know. Didn't no. Robert Downey Jr., wasn't it the first job that he did after rehab and then he went off the rails and was written out very quickly because yes, he... Yes, it um, kind of covers one of his arrest periods. So they had to find a reason for him going away for 
good number of episodes in season four and then he came back for a bit but then he got arrested again because at the at the time he was about to propose to Ali and they were going to have this lovely happy ending uh but then he disappeared so uh he left her with a note and that's how they wrote him at the show (laughs) but Oscar Isaac's first tv appearance was in 2006 with Law and Order I've never seen an episode of Law and Order and I understand there's about 800 of them they have one in every city where there's a law and order problem. That's a lot of cities. <laughs> yeah. I love Oscar Isaac. He's very good in most things he's in. Yeah, I, I used to like him as well. <laughs> Before we found out about the cats. Yeah. To be fair, it did bite him and he got infected. Mm-hmm. He bite the cat back. Um, that wasn't documented. But he did. <laughs> <laughs> You have a quiz? I do. I do. Don't know why I've got a dick friend. I <laughs> when I'm in uh, meetings with a colleague. You um, might want to finish that sentence because it was I don't know why I've got a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I do know why. <laughs> um whenever I'm in meetings with a certain colleague, she goes into a Dick Van Dyke impression because she gets that vibe from me. Do I give off a Dick Van Dyke vibe? Not even remotely. <laughs> <laughs> His accent is so good though, isn't it? Oscar Isaac's? Like, mm. I, I you meant Dick Van Dyke for a second. No. Light as gaiters. In the trailer, it was laughable, but um, like the character now, and it fits. Yeah. yeah. Chris Hewitt on Empire was saying that he got sent an email by a PR who said that it's well known that Oscar Isaac's accent in Moon Knight is one of the worst accents ever. So here's a list of, you know, one of those listicle things of top 10 worst mm-hmm. British accents. And it's just like, well, what, first of all, why would you do, why is that your job? Come on. But it, it's mm-hmm. not a terrible accent. It's actually a really quite so a really good, good sweet, endearing yeah. accent, I think. Yeah. yeah. And it's mm-hmm. also an American doing an English accent. There's a contextual reason why the accent would be as it is. But, I mean, I'd assumed it was, say, an English person doing an accent not from the area it was in, mm-hmm. not that it was an American doing it. Because mm-hmm. it has loads of really nice touches, like the swearing's done really well, mm-hmm. uh, which is things often Americans mm-hmm. don't get right. Okay, so this quiz has been inspired by a round on Richard Osman's House of Games, and it's called Two Clues in One. So you are to give me the name of a film title. I'm going to give you the year... And I'm going to give you a clue. Uh, it might be a slight description of the plot. It might be a sort of play on the title. But all the words start with the same letters of the film. So to give you an example, 2022 monstrosity would be Moonfall. I see. So the clues start with the same letters as the title of the okay. film. And you, you ought to give me the real title. And okay. All right. It'll become clear. And when you say inspired by Richard Osman's House of Games, you mean stolen from yeah. Completely ripping it off. Yep. Yes. So, number one. 2019. Attack enemies. Buzz after Earth. Incorrect. Oh. Um, Buzz John. Avengers Endgame. Correct. Point Did I say the terrible Scientology one? <laughs> <laughs> Not even the from that one year. I thought of as well. Question two. 2017. Total demise of Soviet... Buzz. Peter. Uh, no, wait, my husband, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Easy mistake. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, the death of Stalin. Correct. Is the game making sense? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. I'm still rubbish at it, but it's making <laughs> sense. 2003. Ports offering treasure clues. Pirates of the Buzz. 
John? Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> 1973. Ooh. Terminate Evil. Buzz. John. The Exorcist. Correct. <laughs> 1969. Bankers cower as these scoundrels kidnap. Buzz. John. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Correct. Very good. <laughs> 2021. William Shakespeare, slightly. Buzz. Andy. West Side Story. Correct. Oh. <laughs> so currently John is on four, Andy is on two, and Peter keeping his powder dry. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the most convoluted one. 1981. It's just archaeology, teeming rivalry, offering lots of adventuring. Buzz, Indiana Jones and the Vaders of the Lost Ark. Correct. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> 1993. Jaxatorus's present. Buzz. Biz. 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 <laughs> I don't know what Biz means. Peter. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Correct. <laughs> Real dinosaur, apparently. Jaxatorus. 1985. Building the time frame. Buzz. Andy. Back to the future. Correct. Got it from 1985. <laughs> yeah. Excellent t-shirt, by the way. Thank you. Hazel is wearing a t-shirt that says Spaceman from Pluto, mm -hmm. which is the rubbish title originally proposed for Back to the Future. <laughs> okay. We've got three questions left. John can still be caught. And probably should be. <laughs> <laughs> There's no evidence. <laughs> Pass my DBS check. Well, when I say three questions left, I mean two questions left. <laughs> ah. <laughs> 1994, Fast Guy. 94. Mm -hmm. Buzz. Andy. Forrest Gump. Correct. Ah. All right. So it is between Andy and John on this last question. John, if you get it, you obviously win. If Andy gets it, it's a tie. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> 1996. Message incoming. Buzz. Buzz. Mission impossible. Correct. Five all. If only millisecond behind you there. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have two minutes to come up with one? Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got one. 1986. Alien. Buzz. Buzz. Aliens. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Got another one. 1992 Aliens. This is Alien 3. Correct. <laughs> okay, your tiebreaker question is 2009 Aliens. Buzz. Uh, Avatar. Yes. <laughs> Andy wins. Yay. Ah. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Does, mm. does that, where's the sack of fun? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Oh. Be, a, be afraid. Be we very didn't afraid. think this through. Oh, it's sticky. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that one. That feels terrible. That, that feels okay. No. No. <laughs> you can keep your Mrs. Brown, Brown's Voice Series 1. Oh, wow. Oh, that is <laughs> atrocious. Oh, I, I touched it. <laughs> 
I'd like to try again, please. <laughs> Sorry, this. If, if you let me try again, I promise I'll actually watch it. <laughs> I've actually put the film back in. <laughs> oh, what have I done? <laughs> New Year's Eve. Hang on, I think I've already won that one. Somebody, somebody's drawn that out before and clearly put it straight back in. When I said I promised I'd watch it. (laughs) Who's in it, Andy? Halle Berry in uh, what presumably is uh, the second worst film she's ever been in. Ashton Kutcher. Other people. We've talked about this before because that is Robert De Niro staring at me. God, it is. Is Mm. he saying, let me out? (laughs) Doesn't look happy to be on this box. From director Gary Marshall comes an all-star ensemble romantic comedy. New Year's Eve celebrates love, hope, forgiveness, second chances and fresh starts in intertwining stories told amidst the pulse and promise of New York City. I guess it's short on the six episodes of Mrs. Brown's Boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll expect your review. Oh, God. <laughs> And that is all for today's episode of Nerdfest. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please do leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. John, what is this week's reward for the wonderful people who do that? I'm going to come around to your house. I'm going to spend a month doing medical experiments on you and then force you to make a low-budget movie with the proceeds. (laughs) (laughs) That is your reward. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, you've been listening to... A man who really wants to watch Moonfall now. No. Please don't. <laughs> a man who thinks we should demolish the moon if it makes it less likely there'll be a Moonfall sequel. A man with a flamethrowing guitar wondering where that burning smell's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> and a woman who will let Oscar Isaac stroke her cat anytime as long as he's wearing protection. <laughs> do, do you not have a... <laughs> isn't one of your cats friendlier than the other cat? Um, one of them will come up to you don't care who, who you are he'll just come up to you one of them will give you five minutes before he does that so Oscar's safe with either of them yes <laughs> we'll see you next time bye bye, bye. New Year's Eve is funny and romantic And it just says, woman. The quote is attributed to woman. I think it is a magazine. It might not be. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see the um, posters for the craze film with Tom Hardy? Where it's like loads of five-star reviews, but the Guardian gave it three stars, but they put the Guardian one in, but they put the stars between the heads. So it just looked like it wasn't clear it was three stars. (laughs) Oh, (laughs)